Section 9 of Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5 An Ocean Tragedy. Part 1. In days when the earth seems hardly to have a secret still unprofaned, it is difficult to grasp through what a world of shadowy terrors Drake had resolved to push his way yet we may conceive the strange fancies that mixed with the music of wind and wave of trumpets and violins as he paced the poop of his little flagship and watched her four frail consorts rising and falling to the mysterious swell of the atlantic since the discovery of the new world no event had so profoundly moved men's imagination as magellan's great achievement sixty years ago till then it was believed that america was part of one vast continent that covered all the south pole and was one with new guinea and even now geographers taught that there was no southward passage from the atlantic into the south sea except by the narrow strait through which the great portuguese discoverer had passed to find the old world beyond the new time after time the most renowned officers in the spanish service had attempted to follow in magellan's track but even those who succeeded in passing the strait had demonstrated with disaster the impracticability of the route for a generation it had been abandoned the riches of the south sea continued to pass overland by nombre de dios and primeval silence had once more settled upon the desolate shores of patagonia to the real and known difficulties of the navigation the science of the day added all the terrors of its naive deductions the primum mobile was supposed to set up so violent a westerly current that even if a man passed in he could never return so great was the dread the idea inspired that magellan had been compelled to hang two of his chief officers before he could proceed and the last attempt to penetrate the passage had been frustrated by open mutiny for those who had no science myth and legend provided horrors in plenty the seafaring folk of europe generally believed the fires of heaven would consume all who attempted to pass the torrid zone and those whose comrades had passed and lived still shuddered at a void beyond where engendered of incessant storm and darkness the great atlantic swell was born yet it was through this region of prodigies chartless and unexplored that drake with his imperfect instruments was going to find his way and these were the men whom with no help of modern discipline he had to persuade to the work they had only agreed for a voyage to alexandria nor was it till the little squadron rendezvoused at magador on the west coast of morocco that they knew anything more adventurous was in the wind at that time they might refuse to venture farther into the burning void with all the support of his officers drake could barely hope to inspire them with his own daring and at his side was his dearest friend sworn to overthrow the voyage it was not long before lord burleigh's tool was at work running down the african coast as far as cape blanc drake again put in with half a dozen prizes he had picked up on the way here he proceeded to clean his ships and while the rummaging was going on doughty got the soldiers ashore to exercise them at their weapons 
there was a prospect of sharp work ahead for drake meant to water and victual at the cape verde islands and force might be needed mayo which was then a notable haunt of pirates was the first point attempted and here doughty with captain winter in his company and some seventy musketeers was landed to scour the island for provisions once out of sight he began secretly tampering with the men and after a half-hearted attempt to trade with the inhabitants returned to the ships with a report that nothing was to be had it is possible that this unsatisfactory performance already aroused drake's suspicions but the constancy of his friendship suffered him to give no sign and when next day off santiago a rich portuguese prize bound for the brazils was captured doughty was placed in command besides silks and other valuable goods it contained all the stores which the fleet needed with the exception of such things as were to be had in abundance at the island of brava thither therefore drake at once proceeded taking no further precautions with the prize than to send his brother aboard to represent his interests thomas drake seems to have been the last survivor of the eleven sturdy protestants who had been reared on the medway hulk and with the exception of tom moon he was perhaps the only man in the expedition on whom the admiral could implicitly rely arrived at brava drake went aboard the prize to arrange for the discharge of the prisoners and found himself at once face to face with his new difficulty no sooner did he step on deck when doughty came up and accused thomas drake of having pilfered the cargo on inquiry one of hatton's men who was now drake's trumpeter made a similar charge against doughty and not only was his accusation supported by others but some trifling articles belonging to the prisoners were found in doughty's possession in vain he protested they were presents where price was concerned such a defence was inadmissible and drake flew into a passion he told his friend plainly that it was not thomas drake but francis that he meant to disparage he accused him of seeking to sap his credit with the fleet and swore by god's life he would not have it for unlike the later puritans drake was no precisian he could swear like a gentleman and on his occasions used his fashionable accomplishment with some freedom still it was not his way to bark without biting and he ended his outburst by ordering doughty aboard the flagship and giving the command of the prize to his brother with the exception of one smack which had been exchanged for the christopher pinnace the whole of the other captures had been already dismissed but the brazil ship so nicely suited drake's needs that he had resolved to attach it to the squadron as an extra victualler and before leaving the confines of the old world where now they were he set at liberty all his prisoners drake's gentlemen were not a little astonished at his clemency it was not at all their idea of honourable piracy some of the portuguese passengers were men of wealth and position yet not only were they discharged without ransom but a newly set-up pinnace was given them that they might get back comfortably to santiago one however remained behind and the exception is important he was a pilot for the brazils from genoa with a genoese love of adventure and so soon as he heard drake's intention of penetrating into the pacific by magellan's abandoned route he volunteered for the voyage his services were accepted gladly enough and with this valuable addition to the staff the course was set for the river plate for the present 
no further notice was taken of dowdy's misconduct mr vickery one of the barristers who had volunteered from the temple interceded in his behalf so successfully that drake left him in peace on board the pelican while he himself sailed in the prize but his forbearance was of little avail as they crept across the doldrums constant complaints came from the pelican that doughty was trying to take upon himself the command of the ship the gravity of the situation lay in the fact that the position of soldiers and gentlemen volunteers on board ship had not yet been determined and the consequent jealousy and insubordination were exactly the instruments best suited to doughty's hand it was a question of extreme delicacy and on its right adjustment the efficiency of the navy hung at brava doughty had begun by assembling the pelican's crew and while charging them to look to the master in all matters of seamanship and navigation he had given them to understand that he was there as drake's deputy to exercise the powers of life and death contained in the queen's commission in the absence of the captain doughty may really have thought that he was entitled to command lieutenants had not then been introduced into the sea service the second officer of the ship was the master invariably a practical seaman but in the spanish service seamen had always to give place to soldiers and as spain then set the fashion in all things military doughty probably thought it a duty he owed to himself and the other gentlemen to teach the master his place but drake knew better and face to face with the question for the first time he grappled it with all his masterful directness no greater debt is due to him than that he successfully resisted the ideas which paralyzed the spanish navy and it is in that very arrogance which disgusted so many of his contemporaries that much of his greatness must be sought for from it was bred that blustering pride in his profession which for the first time taught soldiers to respect their brethren of the sea it was his spirit that inspired shakespeare's boatswain it was he who made out of the way i say the standing order for soldiers aboard english ships and it is to the high credit of both teacher and taught that no admiral was ever more popular with the military than francis drake as dowdy had been sent aboard the pelican under reprimand his case was one of peculiar aggravation and things soon came to a crisis the offender never ceased his pretensions and one day so far forgot himself as to take advantage of some rough practical joke that the seamen were playing on the admiral's trumpeter to be revenged on his accuser the man had apparently gone on board the flagship in the course of his duty and drake seems to have regarded the insult as a piece of deliberate insubordination on the trumpeter's complaint he sent a boat for doughty and so soon as he came alongside without permitting him to set foot on the ship or to say a word in his defence he peremptorily ordered him on board the victual ship in utter disgrace End of section nine.